0: your exclusive home for Prop Sports. Let's go! It's good! This is Rowan Radio. Connors with the game winner! 89.7 WGLS-FM, Glassboro.
1: Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents Offsides, a weekly roundtable discussion about the world of professional sports featuring the diverse perspectives of the Rowan Radio
2: Sports Department. And now, here's your Wednesday host, Aaron Hook.
1: Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. Man, it, it feels good to hear... Leo Kirshner, saying my name as the Wednesday host. Going to be here every Wednesday from 5 to 6 p.m. with you here on RowanRadio.com channel 2. This is the inaugural episode on Wednesdays, as you heard Larry Dealman say on Monday evening. Uh, glad to be with you all. I am not alone, obviously, joined by some fantastic uh, gentlemen in our sports department, Jack Miller and Toby O'Brien across from me in what we've deemed the... Uh, I guess the the chamber across the glass from me. Uh, I cannot hear them uh, through any other way through my headphones. So, but across the desk from me, I do have uh, our great sports director, Danny Ryan, made an appearance. How about that? The Friday host steps up as as a you know as a colleague of mine, as a um, you know kind of guy stepping in on my show here on Wednesdays. It's it's awesome to see whole sports department coming together here on this Wednesday. We've got a lot to talk about. Uh, We do have another football game tomorrow night. Believe it or not, Week 1 is already come and go. The uh, Monday night a couple of days ago, I know uh, Kobe, you were on offsides on Monday. You guys talked all about that game and Russell Wilson's return to Seattle. So Week 1 is already again come and gone and we've got Thursday night football tomorrow night. Jack's team, the LA Chargers uh, will be taking on the Kansas City Chiefs, their division rivals, their AFC West rivals and Danny, I'll start with you. Both teams, 1-0 and 0 to begin the year. The Chargers coming off uh, a thriller, really, against the Raiders uh, on Sunday evening. They were uh, one of the late window games, the 425 starts. Uh, and then the Chiefs, obviously, dismantling Arizona on the road. Patrick Mahomes with five touchdowns there. So, both teams off to a great start. And both of these teams, not only favorites to win this division, Danny, but really, um, Make the run for the AFC crown as well. So a really exciting matchup here uh, to begin with, too.
2: Yeah, I mean, we're being treated for sure on this next Thursday Night Football matchup. And it's really going to be an interesting one as far as, you know, there's really no clear winner in this one. There's no clear underdog or favorite, I would say, you know, at the very least, because both these teams, as you mentioned, extremely talented. Chiefs looking a little bit different without their, you know, just absolute specialist deep down field Tyreek Hill I know that joke was going around you know screw it Tyreek's down there somewhere and Pat Mahomes just throwing it down and that's how easy it was for him last year so I'm interested to see how he's going to fare against this newly improved Chargers defense I know Jack's probably drooling over the possibility to show up the Chiefs on Thursday night football prime time so if I had to go with my pick right now I'd probably have to just go ahead and say the Chargers I do want to pick the Chiefs I think it's still going to be a close game But I think it just comes down to, I mean, when your second wide receiver is essentially Marquez Valdez Scantling. I mean, Juju, don't get me wrong, he's a very good receiver. I don't know if he's quite number one territory. He can act as a number one. I
1: think you could even say he's really the number two because, of course, Kelsey is basically a glorified wide receiver. So So he's
2: the wide receiver one, but he's still the second target on the team. He's still the second option. So. In that sense, I think that Juju's going to thrive. I just think that he can't really put the entire team on his back, and you saw that during his years with Antonio Brown. When A.B. left, sure, his production went up, but the team's production as a whole went down. So long story short, I'm going to have to go Chargers. I think, honestly, this game stays within two field goals, so within six (laughs) points, seven points. Um, but, you know, it should be an interesting matchup. I just think that Herbert's coming off a great week one. He looked terrific. Needs to involve Eckler a little bit more, and I think they'll have no problem getting this uh, this W done.
1: Yeah, I agree with you that it's going to be a close game. I think it's most likely going to be a shootout. But that being said, you did bring up that new uh, and improved Chargers defense, the pieces they added. them. Jack, I'm going to go to you here, the Chargers fan that you are. Um, I mean, you must have been screaming your head off watching Khalil Mack tear up that, I mean, just awful Raiders offensive line. you knew that him and Bosa were going to have a field day, and they did. They combined for four and a half sacks, three of them for Khalil Mack uh, on Sunday against uh, Las Vegas, so, you know, I, I think me and Danny are, are kind of on the same page, and I think you'll probably agree that offense is going to be king here, uh, two of the better offenses in the league here with uh, the Chargers and, and the Chiefs, but defensively, I mean, not only at front with Khalil Mack, but obviously on the back end with Derwin James being the star that he is, and you add J.C. Jackson in the secondary. This Chargers defense, they're not playing around. They're for real, and they could really, I think, cause this um, Chiefs offense some problems just because they, I think, have the guys maybe to match up with a Telsey or a Juju.
3: Yeah, they do have, yeah, exactly as you said, the the guys uh, on the field defensive-wise, and I really i am a huge fan of the defensive acquisitions that they've had with Khalil Mack, JC Jackson, and uh, Khalil Mack showed up uh, three sacks, as you said, um, but this is honestly their true test to see how good their defense is. They gave up only 19 points to the Oakland Raiders, and that offense is pretty solid, so... Um, but besides that uh, offensive line that you mentioned, Aaron. But um, but still, this is their true test to see how well this defense can perform against a quarterback and, of Patrick Mahomes and a tight end of Travis Kelsey. I mean, mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes threw five touchdowns yesterday against the Cardinals, so, or on Sunday against the Cardinals. So right. this is their true te- uh, test, and they, they had few interceptions. They got three yes- on Sunday as well. So, um, again, true test, and uh, I'm excited, honestly. Um, I'm honestly Hoping for a shootout, but the defense shows up.
1: Like you said, they they picked off Derek Carr uh, three times on Sunday, and so you know you talked about the the quarterback and tight end combination. They're now the game uh, plan for. They did a pretty good job against another good duo, right? Derek Carr and and Darren Waller. Obviously, he's got Devontae Adams there now as well, and that helps a lot. College teammates, they have a great deal of chemistry already, um, but. Obviously, him and Waller have been developing that connection for the last couple of years already, maybe even more. Um, and so they did a pretty good job against it. And, Kobe, looking at how these two teams matched up last year, you had the uh, awesome game in uh, week three of last year where the Chargers go to Kansas City. And although, although Justin Herbert had kind of arrived, I guess, the season before, you could say, and um, he also – you know, to that point of the year already through the first couple games had shown that he was taking another leap. I think that was really the day where he, you know, kind of said, I'm here for the discussion of the best quarterback in the lead, the best arm talent in the lead, a 30 to 24 uh, Chargers victory, I should say. And then you look uh, to later in the year where the Chiefs have kind of figured themselves out. Remember, they started last year two and four. Um, and so you know, they, they're they te- uh, they're coming in 9-4 at this point, and they go to L.A., and they beat the Chargers in overtime, so, you know, I mean, these two teams split, obviously, last year, Chargers don't make the playoffs, Chiefs, we you know, they go on to the AFC title game and lose to Cincinnati, um, it, it's an interesting matchup, for sure, a fun one, I think, and these two teams obviously split last year, so what did they get the upper hand, both teams want to know to start out the division race here so far. So, what are your thoughts on uh, tomorrow night's game? How do you think this is going to play out?
0: Well, I think tomorrow night's game is definitely going to be a shootout, but I'm going to go against you guys. I do think Kansas City is going to take this one, mainly because Keenan Allen is out for Thursday. And uh, I think based on that fact and the fact that when Keenan was out, the receiver that Herbert targeted the most was DeAndre Carter, and he only played 24% of their snaps. I think – that will prevent them from scoring as much as they should against the Chiefs, especially when the Chiefs have more viable options than they've ever
1: had under like Mahomes. Yeah, right. I mean, again, go back to the receiving core that you know Danny was talking about, and I mean, you, you looked at the number kind of of guys that um, Mahomes has to go to. I mean, obviously, you lose a weapon in Tyree Kill, but you bring in a, another speedster uh, in MVS Martez Valdez Stanton, and then. Obviously, you had Juju. Um, so, th- there's more of, I guess, kind of a diversified still set, uh, Danny, you'd probably say, uh, with the wide receivers here. So, Mahomes' options and weapons are, are as scary as ever. I mean, they really are. And then, on the other side for, for the Chargers... Um, Keenan Allen is not going to be playing tonight, so uh, we got injury news probably about an hour ago at this point that he's going to miss the game tonight. So, Chargers are down probably, arguably their their top weapon, and the Chiefs are rolling in, um, pretty much ready to go. So, I think that kind of gives Kansas City um, the upper hand in that regard. So, Thursday night football tomorrow, I'm sure on on Friday, Danny, when you host, uh, you'll be recapping the Thursday night game and. Uh, but they always seem to be a little bit wacky, right, the Thursday night game. Something always seems to be up, and I, I think this should be a pretty good one. Um, not going to go out and predict an instant classic or anything, but again, I think this should be a, a pretty tight game, a, a pretty good game on Thursday night, the second one of the season. So uh, sticking with the National Football League, going to move on to um, a, a couple situations that have been developing over the past few weeks, past few months, and i have now kind of converged. And that's um, Dallas obviously losing Dak Prescott on Sunday um, in the game against Tampa Bay, the Sunday night game. So Dak is out, and obviously Jimmy Garoppolo out in San Francisco has been shopped. Um, you know, San Francisco has been looking for a trade partner for him for months at this point, and they haven't really been able to figure anything out. And so – you know, Kobe, is this kind of like a match made in heaven at this point? You know, Dak goes down, and Dallas, you're looking at your options. You've got Cooper Rush, and, I mean, you're not re- you're not really satisfied with that. Obviously, it's you've got, you know, 16 more games to play here, and with Philadelphia winning their opening game and looking really good on paper, and even the Giants coming out with a win, you might have some competition in this division. Washington as well. Carson Wentz, those four touchdowns, uh, and gets them a victory. So you're the only team in the NFC East right now that, Is starting your year off with a loss. Do you look to go out and and maybe trade a pick or a pick and a player or something like that for a Jimmy Garoppolo to try and kind of, I guess, be a life preserver at this point?
0: Yeah, I think that's what you have to do. You know, you said it's like a match made in heaven. I think it's more made like a match made out of necessity. If you want to maintain a level, Cooper Rush isn't going to do that. And Jimmy J may not win that many games for them, but he will manage games and hopefully the defense and Micah Parsons and Diggs can hold on for until Jack gets back. I think that's all you can really hope for as a Cowboys fan at this point.
1: Right. I mean, again, it, the the offense just looked bad to begin with. Even with Dak out there, um, and again, you know, this is just kind of um, going off the points uh, that were made on the Monday show. But you know, now Jack that. And, and by the way, I do have a quote from Kyle Shanahan. He was kind of asked about. You know, looking uh, at and moving Jimmy G and, you know, maybe Dallas hearing an offer for him. And what he said is like, you know, just like everyone else, we're going to listen. So they're just kind of waiting on Dallas at this point to, to step in and make the first move. So, you know, Kobe said, and I agree with him, at this point, if you're the Cowboys, you, you need a quarterback. You really do. Because Cooper Rush ain't going to cut it. Um, so, I mean, you look around the lead and you look at options. I mean, I think at this point, Jimmy Garoppolo talent-wise, and just his resume, right? He's led a team to a Super Bowl. Um, a guy who can come in and try and kind of play in a system. He's not going to, obviously, go outside of structure very much and make all these great plays and extend plays, but he's a quarterback with the offense around him in Dallas. You have weapons there still, although losing to Murray Cooper, C.D. Lamb, right? I mean, yeah, he steps up as your number one. You still have Dalton Schultz. Obviously, still Zeke in the backfield. So, look... Uh, do you are you kind of on the same page as Kobe here? Do you think Dallas almost like has to go out and and make a move for Jimmy G?
3: Yeah, I think they have to. Um I think it's their only option because I don't think they want to ride sixteen seasons with or sixteen games excuse me with Cooper Rush, as you said. And Dallas is always a team that's always looking to compete. They never want to have like um like a rebuild season because they're america's team so they <laughs> yes always they they're always a looking they're always looking to compete but in my opinion i don't think jimmy g is going to solve the entire problem i think that that whole dallas team is not in it's not going to do well this year i think they're going to be like a nine and eight, eight and nine kind of team this year because they lost keys in their offensive line this year and that offensive line was Honestly, the reason why Dak got injured. I mean, he got hit in the hand when he threw from a Tampa Bay defender, and I mean, that's just what happened. So, and then uh, they lost Amari Cooper, and now your number one's receiver is CeeDee Lamb. But CeeDee Lamb um, had two receptions on 11 targets yesterday and on Sunday, excuse me. And, but CeeDee Lamb is a good receiver, but as a wide receiver, too. As proven on Sunday, because mm-hmm. he can't handle the double team, because he's better when single covered, and when he needs another receiver with him to be able to do well, like and that's why Mari Cooper was there, right? Which is why he was so well. So I don't think a quarterback is going to help this Dallas team become a playoff team. If they do, they're a seven seed. I don't mm-hmm. see them going any farther than
1: that. Right, and I mean I, I love the point when Tampa kind of made it a focal point to blanket CD. I mean him and Dak were never on the same page. I mean again, you talked about just two receptions, there were a couple balls that Dak put behind them, and just the timing and rhythm was off, so yeah, obviously with Dak going down now, cd has got to learn uh, a whole new rapport with a new quarterback, and maybe it is Jimmy G, and Danny, I- I'm going to finish here with you. Um, you know, the you know they made some good points here, Kobe and Jack, I mean, and I-, I brought it up at the start, you know, do Dallas go out and make a move? You know, these guys are arguing they almost have to, and I, I think, again, I agree, so it's like, Again, the Eagles win. The Giants get a surprise win. And Carson Wentz, I mean, I know he, threw, he throws two pits and I know he's still Carson Wentz at the end of the day, but goes out. There was four touchdowns against uh, a Jacksonville defense that also improved. Uh, the three other teams in this division look pretty solid on Sunday, and if you're Dallas, I think you've got to be a little bit worried, don't you?
2: I mean – Yeah, you definitely have to be worried. I don't think the worry is you're really part of the question at this point. It's just, you know, worrying about what to do. Really, I mean, can you get away with Dak Prescott coming back in four games, not putting him on IR? Are you going to get at least a seventy-five percent, you know, version of of Dak Prescott? Probably not. Especially if you rush him back like that and don't put him on the IR. Who knows? So the surgery obviously is going to affect him the way it affects him, but. As far as should the Dallas Cowboys go out and make a move for a quarterback, probably Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm kind of on this side where, yes, I think they have to and if they would like to compete this season. If you'd like to rack up the nice draft pick, so be it. Whatever. I'm fine with that as a Philadelphia Eagles fan. However, I'm also – I agree with Jack because I don't think this roster with how talented the the NFC East has gotten around the Cowboys while they just kind of sat complacent, I don't know that getting Jimmy Garoppolo is really going to elevate their chances – to win the division, now will it get them in a wild card position? Sure, I can say that for, you know with confidence, especially because the weapons, like you just said, if Zeke could have a bounce back year, if CD can become that sure number one, they get Gallup back eventually. And you know, you mentioned their solid receiver or uh, tight end and Schultz, they could make the playoffs. But I don't think that Jimmy G just puts them back where they were Mm. last season with Dak. And, you know, when they had Amari and that offensive line, you know, they made made some pretty good points about that as well. I mean, if you can't protect the the quarterback, pardon me, what's the point in getting a shiny new one? So there's a lot to consider there. If you can get them for a cheap price, throw it on over, because I can guarantee you that San Francisco did not want to keep Jimmy Garoppolo. They only signed him because it made the most logical sense and because why
1: not? Yeah, I mean, it's it's down to be a little bit awkward uh, out there in San Fran, especially – Watching the way that the offense performed under uh, the rookie Trey Lance on on Sunday in Chicago, I know the weather was kind of crazy, and you know they're they're used to playing in Lysol uh you know out out in Cali, North Cali, get the the sun out in uh, what what city did they play in again? It's not San, San Francisco. Francisco. No, uh, it's not uh, San, Francisco. Not San Francisco. Francisco. Man, I'm forgetting.
2: Tell you what though, this is every 49ers fan. Oh, Santa Clara, Santa Clara. They're
1: not nice, they're used to nice sunny Santa Clara, and now they go to Chicago, where it's like, ugh. I mean, it's I mean, just, it was literally it was, it was stud. just it was just gross, man. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess that's the question, though, right? It's like they have to weigh: is Garoppolo gonna put us in a position to really make a run for something this year, or is he just kind of a placeholder? And this year is already kind of lost, and that's gotta be scary as a Cowboys fan, obviously. Um, And the way they looked against one of the top teams in the league doesn't really, you know, give you any more confidence also. I mean, it would be one thing if Cooper Rush steps in and, you know, the defense is all of a sudden playing fantastic and maybe forcing a turnover to give him some confidence. But Tampa pretty much did whatever they wanted. It was 19-3 after three and then nothing uh, on either side of the fourth quarter. So uh, we'll have to keep an eye on both the uh, Jimmy G and the Cowboys situation. We'll see if they make a move for him. Uh, and if they are, I would assume they would do so pretty soon because uh, Mr. Prescott uh, is going to be missing some time. So we'll see what America's team does about that. Uh, we're going to be moving on to talk about the uh, MLB, Major League Baseball. Uh, we've got less than a month until the postseason. About three weeks away, going to talk some uh, MVP races, Um the, uh, the front-runner, I think, for the AL MVP might have just strengthened his taste last night. Uh, we'll get into some more stuff we'll do to the NBA and then our top five coming up later in this show. Not going to spoil that. I'm going to, again, take something uh, out of Larry's book and, and keep it a secret until the end. But for now, uh, we are going to take a quick step off. Going to throw some quick messages your way, and then we'll be back right here on Offsides. This is your host, Aaron Hook, yeah. On with oh, Ron button. Along with Danny Ryan, Jack Miller, and Toby O'Brien, I'm your host, Aaron Hook. That's the right button. We'll be back.
0: Wednesday nights from 8 to 10 p.m., come party with JT for JT's Rock Evolution where you'll hear the best in 90s grunge through today's alternative rock. I break my jammed to artists like Alice in Chains, Queens of the Stone Age, and Royal Blood, as well as the rock artists of Tomorrow. Excellent! That's JT's Rock Evolution, Wednesday nights from 8 to 10 p.m., only on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM.
1: Back here on this Wednesday edition of Sides, I'm your host, Aaron Hook. Across the desk from me is our sports director, Mr. Danny Ryan, and I have Mr. Jack Miller and Mr. Kobe O'Brien across the glass from me in the conference studio. Just talked about uh, some NFL, and now we're going to move on to Major League Baseball where, again, uh, like I said, guys, before we went to break, less than a month away until the postseason, some spots are starting to solidify a little bit. Um, some them uh, division races uh, lengthening out um, but we will get to the uh, Anna wildcard race which is a little tighter a- at this point um, we'll get into the uh, the fills and uh, how they won their fourth straight last night um, they've still got uh, a dam and a half up on San Diego so we'll get into that uh, but first we'll um, go to the American League and uh, talk about Mr. Aaron Judge who Last night uh, against the Boston Red Sox, two more home runs to give him 57 on the year now. So he's closing in on um, a a flurry of records. Now, obviously, there's the 61 home runs, which is the American League home run record. It has stood since 1961. Roger Maris hitting 61 in 61 there. Um, And obviously, he'd be the first... um, Died to, to hit 60 in a while. Um, Stanton hit 59 uh, back in 2017 with Miami. And so, I mean, he's got 20 games left uh, here. So, you figure he probably plays in about every one of those. You know, you, maybe you give him a day off. Um, so, figure he plays 18, 19 more games here. He's got to hit four to tie the record, and he's got to hit five to break the record. Now, at the pace he's been going at all season, I mean, Danny, he looks pretty primed to to make a, a good run at this and possibly break the record. If I were a betting man, I'd probably say that he he gets it done at this point. And I mean, you know, this is going to tie into uh, the AL MVP conversation because there is a discussion to be had about the year that Shohei Otani is having uh, out in LA with the way he's pitching as well as the way he's produced at the plate, but. I mean, Aaron Judge's numbers are stuff that we haven't seen in the modern era for a guy who isn't, you know, putting stuff into his body to help him out a little bit. Uh, It's really kind of unheard of. Again, you have Stanton hitting 59 a few years back, but, I mean, Judge is probably going to eclipse that at this point unless he gets hurt or he just slows down out of nowhere.
2: In the past 20 years, Aaron... Only one player in the American League has come close to breaking Roger would record. I'd probably say that would be A-Rod, right? So I'm going to put a little bit of a a hyphen up and just kind of qualify this this stat a little bit. For players that haven't put stuff in their body, A-Rod would have been that. You would have been right on the mark. But for players that haven't put stuff in their body, the first, or uh, pardon me, the most recent player to really... Get close to that record. Jose Bautista in 2010 Uh, with the Toronto Blue Jays, 54 home runs. That's really the most recent, aside from Babe Ruth, who kind of tested that record, uh, but way before Maris's time in 1927 was 60, but no one's even come close. So, to answer your question, yeah, I definitely think he's going to tie it, and I think he's easily going to blow it out. Um, Worst case scenario, he ties it, but I see him honestly. 20 more games left in the season, already at 57. I could see him finishing with 65 without a sweat on his forehead. I mean, I really could. And I don't see him, you know, breaking the all-time home run record held by Barry Bonds, but he definitely can break this Roger Maris record, no problem. And I think that, you know, you talked about Shohei Otandi a little bit and how he should be considered for AL MVP. And while that definitely is valid to an extent, I mean, when you're talking about breaking records in your respective league all-time in a single season – shouldn't that be the most valuable player? Because let's be honest, it's the most valuable player all time in a single season. It should be, you know, they should be handing the award to him at that point on silver platter. So yes, I think he'll break it. I think if all goes according to plan, he could definitely beat it by about four or five home runs to finish around 65, 66. But um, yeah, just crazy stuff we're seeing. You know, in all fairness, though, his competition's kind of slimming out a little bit. I know that's not what you want to hear as a New York Yankees fan, but at one point last night, the Red Sox had Jerry's Familia in, tie ball game, top 10 4 4. I know Judge didn't do any damage off of him, but at this point in the season, they're throwing the white flag. So the two <laughs> well, home runs, a bit inflated last night. You know, night.
1: well, they don't pitch to him very often anymore, to be fair. To, they walked to count, him in that inning. They did walk him in the 10th and uh, came back to bite them. Gleyber Torres had the damn running hit last night, uh, bases clearing double the other way. But uh, to get back to Judge, um, Jack, I'm going to go to you. I mean, just the conversation, I guess, um, for for MVP. Um, you know, you look at what he does defensively as well. Now he's been more of a right fielder in the past. He's played pretty much exclusively the corner. He's played a little bit of center here and there. This year, though, Aaron Boone has thrown him basically out there to be the starting center fielder. With Aaron Hicks being just god awful at the at at the plate, man. He's just you can't play Aaron Hicks every day. Judge has kind of taken over that role as the everyday center fielder at his size. Plays a good center field. Obviously, uh, he's got the great arm out there. Uh, And then uh, with what he's doing at the plate, I think you could kind of put that together as an argument to counter the Shohei Otani argument. Obviously, playing center field every day is not the same as going out and pitching every five days while you're also dh in the other three or four, right? Like Otani is and putting up the numbers that he is. But the, the MVP conversation... I think it really is interesting. Even as an 80s fan, I, I really do value the Otani argument because there's just not a guy like him who's doing these type of things these days. But at the same time, no one's really doing what Aaron Judge is, is either. So um, just your thoughts, I guess, on, on the race and then if you think Judge is going to break the record. I do think Judge will break the record. I agree
3: with Danny. It's going to be by like four or five, I think, like as you said, without a sweat on his forehead. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> Judge it will uh, be the new AL leader uh, this season at
1: some point. That's pretty crazy. It's just think about that. A yeah. right? <laughs> that stood for 60 years. Yeah. Pretty, pretty crazy. In a contract year, too. Yeah. yeah. Well, th- he's, he's going to get paid by somebody. I hope the Yankees. But... I know you didn't like that Red Sox comment yesterday, either. <laughs> what Red Sox comment? So oh, Lauren, oh! I saw, I saw the picture yeah, with him. Yeah. Lauren <laughs> Shahadi
2: asked him during an interview,
1: basically I mean, I at yeah, the end. Yeah, yeah. you know, and he
2: said, "I don't know. Boston's got one of the, you know, some of the best fans
1: in the world. It's so. up to us to pay him." So, anyway, Jack. Um, but for the MVP
3: conversation, I think, in my opinion, I think Judge, because what he's done as a hitter this season, I think he'll win MVP because. Uh, He's also has led this team with a more offensive confidence boost that it's brought this team to 86 and 56 where not everyone on the angels is corralling around Shohei Ohtani and Mike Trout where, um, where they're at a losing record and uh, at 61 and 82. So um, like he Shohei won uh, last year. I mean, he did phenomenal last year as well, but I think judge has just stepped up more as a player And he's the most valuable player for this year. I mean, he's just doing everything offensively right. I mean, and it's just, and everyone's getting around him, and it's just giving this entire Yankees team a boost, both honestly uh, pitching and uh, uh, offensively as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, and Toby, to move on to you here, um, I'm going to piggyback off Jack's point. Obviously, the Yankees are a more talented lineup than the Angels, but when you've looked at kind of the slip that they've had, right, they were at one point, I think like 49 and 16. They were by far the best team in baseball. We're talking like early June here. Um, Ever since after the all-star break, it's been a little bit of a rough stretch. Now they have been kind of hot recently, Um, but I mean, there was a stretch there late July and early August where they were one of the worst teams in the league. Judge was really the only one producing. So I know it's almost kind of like thought on to be near impossible in baseball, but you can make an argument over the past month, judges kind of carried that offense, right? And so that's kind of the point Jack made. He kind of gets the team to rally around him. Obviously, when you have John Carlos Stanton protecting you in the, in the lineup, it's a lot easier. But, you know, that I think has to play into the taste as well. And then, interesting question for you after um, that, do you think anyone could ever come close to maybe getting to the Bonds record of, of 73 at some point?
0: Uh, well, I'll start you off. Like, I... To circle back where everyone is, I do think he's going to break the record probably by next week.
3: Uh huh. And
0: then for the. Whoa.
3: End, next week. He <laughs> can do is, it. He, he did
0: could. It five in a week. I mean, he could. doing
1: it again. It's, just,
3: so. was, it's <laughs> just a stretch I wasn't, uh, a prediction I wasn't expecting. <laughs>
0: Sometime next That's week. Right. Probably late le- next week. I, uh, I'd agree. Okay. I think when it comes to what you were saying about the past two months of August and September, I honestly feel I've watched the majority of the games. If they've won a game, it's because of his bat. The pitching has struggled, and especially injuries of recently. He doesn't have the protection of Rizzo, Stanton, and LeMayu of recently. It's just been him with the Yankees' spring training lineup, essentially. <laughs>
1: yep. Yeah, I mean, the guys that they've had in the order around him, actually. You think, like, the die they called up like Oswaldo Cabrera. They hit him lead off at one point, had Judge in the two-hole. Um, Gleyber Torres had a big hit last night, sure, but, I mean, him and Stanton um, have been – Oh, not all that great. I Stan Stanton was hurt for a while. Um but I mean Blaber, he's been better this year, he got close to twenty Homers, but for a while he, he wasn't hitting either. So
0: I think he was the one that slumped the most in August. He wasn't right. getting the hit. And then Stanton, he's bat he's been batting two twenty. He's been your mm-hmm. typical three grade outcomes hitter this entire year. Right.
1: And I mean yeah, I I again, I, I, I agree. And um it's it's just it really is kind of interesting to take everything into account. MVP races in the past I think have been kind of more straightforward, but you're having two circumstances this year where Otani I think has finally put together both the pitching and the hitting. I know he's done it to an extent in the past pretty well, but you know, this year I mean, you looked at his numbers, he's got a combined three and a half war. Um, you look at the hitting side. Uh, and and what he's done. I mean, he's down over 30 homers, and then he's going out, and he's pitching uh, right around a three ERA. And then Judge is just having a historic year, a historic pace with the homers. So it's one of the more interesting MVP races, really, of of our time. Um, And, I mean, Judge, obviously, back in 2017, hit over 50 homers as well. He didn't win it that year. Uh, Went to Jose Altuve of uh, Houston, who, I mean, he just hit the cover off the ball that year, hit near 350, um, and so that was a pretty interesting race as well. And Judge finds himself in, in yet another one of these. So, uh, pretty interesting to see how it will play out. I, I think we're all in consensus, as we said, that he will break the American lead record. Uh, pretty pretty soon here, next couple weeks at maximum, I think. Um, and so that's gonna flip us to the other side of Major League Baseball. We're gonna talk some NL wild card race, um, because honestly, I mean, you looked at all the division races. Obviously, Atlanta and the Mets are neck and neck there. Um, but uh, Philadelphia, you know, the Phillies linebacker they're a game and a half up on San Diego. Milwaukee is just two back of that final spot. In the Central, St. Louis, they've got a seven-game lead over the Brewers, so Brewers really playing for that last wild-card spot with the Padres, who are way back of the uh, best team of the league in, in the Dodgers, obviously. So, um, you know, Danny, Phillies win last night, get their fourth straight, and... Uh, Obviously, they had that really hot stretch and then came back down to earth a little bit for a point, and then you know obviously the the cliche kind of panic set in just a little bit. But now I think they're kind of smoothing it out right at the right time here. It's just a few weeks left in the season, and you know when Bailey Falter is able to go out last night, if you sit solid in and bullpen holds up, you only score two runs against Miami, but you still win. It's against good. It's Sandy Alcantara, right? Against as well. an NL Cy Young favorite. Uh, good point, Alcantara on the hill last night for Miami. You like the way that they're able to just kind of find ways to win here as we're getting close to the postseason. Yeah, before I move on to the Phillies real quick, just like
2: one quick point to add about that MVP race. You take Shohei Otani off of the Los Angeles Angels roster. They probably finish 30 or 35 games, maybe 40 games under five hundred. You take Aaron Judge off of the New York Yankees roster, and they'll be below the Orioles in the standings in the AL East right now. I can guarantee you that. So that should make the MVP race pr- uh, pretty clear to you. But as far as the NL wildcard race goes and the Phillies, kind of cleaning it up in the past few games, you mentioned that four-game win streak and last night, just a gritty win against a gritty Marlins team, honestly. You know, I like it, but at the same time, I've been telling a lot of people as a Philadelphia Phillies fan, I'd almost rather them miss the playoffs than to make the first round and just be pummeled by an Atlanta Braves team or a New York Mets team or at the very you know best, this is the best case scenario, a red-hot St. Louis Cardinals team. I mean, the Phillies, in my opinion, you know as a diehard Philadelphia Phillies fan, all bias aside, I think that they don't have enough to really get out of the first round, and if they do, it's by a miracle. So I like to see them establish that playoff culture, and it's a good step to take after 11 years, but... I don't know. It's just tough for me right now because even San Diego, I could bet on an off night for the Phillies lineup, I think San Diego could outclub us. So it's just a matter of when we're gonna be eliminated or if we'll make the playoffs mm-hmm. at this point.
1: I I I can see your reasoning. I'm gonna to go to Jack Miller here, dead his thoughts. Um, it you did bring up the point though, it's been over a decade, so I think just dead in there at this yeah. point, just making the playoffs after having but think the about second it. longest like, route.
2: How pathetic is that? Like, people, like, the fans and the organization realize that if they get into the playoffs, barring a miracle, they're not going far if to next to the next round. And that well, they're fine you with You never just, know, it's the postseason. And I know, know. And, and that's why I said barring a miracle because it has happened with the Nationals and it happened with the Braves, even though the Braves are more talented, just in the past three years or so. But that is a miracle we're talking about. And so, is it impossible? No is it highly unlikely? Yes, and that's why I just think that it's kind of sad to think all right, we're going to get a playoff, you know, berth, but we're not going anywhere and we're fine with that. I think that's the, what the Phillies organization is considering.
3: Yeah. Well, I, I think Danny that I personally would love to make the playoffs. I mean, I here's the thing cuz if we miss the playoffs then we're now the we, we would be the worst team or the team with the longest playoff drought. I don't want that on the Phillies, okay? Yeah, <laughs> because the, because Mariners, the, Mar- was the Mariners are going to go to the playoffs this year in that tight wild card race in the AL, but the, I do not want to be considered the uh, the team with the You're worst playoffs. You're a playoff like, so, kind of guy. So I want to make the playoffs. I don't care if we lose. I just want to make the playoffs at this point. I think we could honestly do some damage against the Braves. I mean, this year we've done pretty solid against the Braves. I would not want to go against the Mets in the wild card. I totally agree with that. We can't beat the Mets for crap so um if we can if we have a wild card series against the braves or even the cardinals we've done we've done well against the cardinals as well so either team i'm down to play and i'm down to fight for uh for a red october so
1: hey man i mean again i'm in your camp jack we're like if red october is here you know obviously citizens bed it's it's gonna be packed. it's gonna it's gonna be electric there so i mean philly philly obviously has got an attitude to it uh playoff game hasn't been played here in, in 11 years so you know obviously at this point uh they've got that second of three wild card spots and uh right now uh new york and la do have uh the buys um for the wild card round so right now you'd be playing atlanta but it could interchange with the mets because that mm-hmm. division race is only separated by half a game so kobe it's pretty it's pretty interesting if you're philadelphia would you rather play the mets with that awesome pitching or would you play Atlanta who's got great pitching and I mean, well, both teams are, are good. They've got great lineups and great pitching. So pick your poison, right? Yeah, it's pick your poison, but
0: you got to go with the Braves With anything else. Just because just the one, two punch and in the back end with Diaz, they're just so hard. to It's tough. T- t- it's going to be tough. Yep. So you have to lean more towards Atlanta because there, you can make some damage there, especially, you know, you get a playoff game, you know, with all the life that Philly fans are going to bring, you know, who knows what could happen there. Right.
3: Speaking of the Braves, the uh Aussie uh, might be coming back soon. He was he's in AAA right now and he went 5 for 5 last night. Well, there you go. With so, a walk-off homer. So, uh well, against for you guys. So, yeah, um but I mean, the Braves are they're still hot. I mean, they're fighting for that spot, but um I mean, me personally, I'd rather see the Braves than the Mets just because uh the Mets are uh, a little bit more talented than the the Braves, especially uh pitching-wise. Um, between the two
1: yeah I mean I, I guess your your thought process is who do we want to face in game one uh, on yeah. the road do we want to go against you know um, I mean who, who's the brave stop starter this year Kyle uh, what's his last name uh, Spencer Stryker uh, Spencer Strider's been really good yeah Strider um, so I mean would you face him what do you want to do? against shape him to drop. I yeah, mean, it's exactly, kind of like yeah. at that point, you know, you're looking or at or Scherzer, like <laughs> a rookie who got or hot,
2: or two future Hall of Fame. Kyle
1: Wright is the kid. Yeah. Who I'm thinking of for Atlanta. right Atlanta. He's right, having right. a great year as well. Him and Strider, uh, both young guys, really up and coming here. Um,
3: so I think Strider has a he has a, a definite. Um, Case for Cy Young this year. He's, yeah, done, I mean, he's done great. Definitely
1: rookie of the year, for yeah. sure. I mean, he's been awesome. Um so, Daddy, anything to add or
3: I do want to add
2: one thing just to put things into perspective a little bit. In this streak where the Phillies have kind of turned things around after the late season collapse to go six and seven, every single game has been against the Washington Nationals or Miami Marlins. Now they have a stretch coming up after this Marlins series, two more left in the Marlins series, where they will face one of these teams we've been talking about. They'll get a first taste closer to the postseason of the Atlanta Braves on the 16th through the 18th of September. After that, they're going to go against another potential postseason team in the Toronto Blue Jays for a two-game set in Philadelphia. And then the Braves again. Then the competition gets a little bit easier with the Cubs and Nationals. They finish off the year with the Astros. So, I know I you know it's very optimistic to talk like we have this second wild card spot just locked up, but only two and a half games separate San Diego and Philadelphia. So, I don't think that this is all said, and done. I honestly think that, you know, not to be a Debbie Downer here or anything like that, and just to close it off, the Phillies, if all does not go according to plan against these teams of you know that aren't the Marlins, that aren't the Nationals, teams that are above average or right at that average mark, if it doesn't go according to plan, I think they could find themselves out of playoff positioning. I mean, that's worst case scenario, but you have to realize that all of these wins and all these hot streaks are coming against terrible, and I mean, like terrible teams
1: yeah i mean washington and miami have been out of it since i mean
2: since opening day <laughs> <laughs>
1: i mean call me
2: crazy miami tried to make some moves but since opening day
1: yeah again beating up on the bottom two teams in the division it's it's a it's a fair point you know your competition at this point it's it's not great you know you're not beating the mets every night or the dodgers it's it's fair um but again you just kind of kind of like the way they're able to go out and find a way to win, right? Especially you brought up Danny, Dan Sadalik, Sandy uh, Alcantara, who has a taste for the NL Cy Young this year. He's been awesome. Mm -hmm. And so you only get two runs off him, but your pitching is good enough on on a certain light, on a given light to to beat a Miami team. So, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see. Obviously, the NL Central race as well. Cardinals kind of pulling away at this point. They've got seven games uh, on the Brewers now, so Milwaukee really trying to, at this point still that last wild card spot away from the padres who uh they trail right now by two whole games in that uh wild card race so uh obviously you're gonna tighten up as we get to the final couple weeks here anything else i just want to say one thing and one last thing i guess i
2: should say because i've had a couple things but i mean the phillies when they're hot they're hot and i agree with you guys they can take it all the way when they're not they're not in case in point first ex- or ex- exhibit, a, I guess I could say, August 30th, 12-3 to loss to the Diamondbacks on their West Coast trip and then two days later, a 13-1 to loss against the Giants. Neither of those teams just stand out at you. So, when they don't have it, the pitching really can be god-awful. Just something to kind of digest as we head towards the postseason.
1: We'll see. We'll see. It would be very cool um, to experience uh, a red October this year. Would just you kinda... go to
2: a game if they were in Philadelphia?
1: Well, um, I, I, I was <laughs> I, <would>. I was <laughs> going to turn Jack's mic on. I was going to ask if are are you guys going a game? I mean, I guess it would be I don't game care where two I'm sitting, of the wild I, card, right? Because they they'd flip. So you I guys try going to game two.
3: I would try. I would definitely try and see if if yeah. my uh, my bank account can hold it. Yeah, <laughs> so. I would say
1: <laughs> under. Kobe, you're not a Phillies fan, right? Yankees, right? Oh yeah. Okay, there we go. So we're not even we're not yeah. even concerned. We're going to win our division, so we don't have to worry about this. <laughs> Whoa. This, this wild card. I mean, <laughs> listen, that division. There's only it, six it, games separating the, you. The, the Rays. caught it a little close. At the Jays are like, in but... second
2: place right now. Six games separating. I think the Rays are a half game below them, but. Mm-hmm.
3: All right, that Hale well, wild card is crazy. There's a half game between three teams.
1: Yeah, so. I mean that, that. I mean, right now, I, I just the Orioles have kind of um, fallen out of that race, but for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you look at the hail wild card. Yeah, I mean, Toronto, Seattle, Tampa, right, all separated by half a game, and then you've got Baltimore five out, so they did still make a little bit of a, a run at the end. But uh, yeah. I think uh match, it maybe is running out a little bit. But again, we'll see what happens with the Phillies. We've got one more thing to talk about before we head to break and when we come back from break we'll be uh, revealing our top five. Uh it has something to do with the NFL. I'll, I'll give that hint away. i uh, to not going not gonna to spoil it yet but uh, we do have a bit of a serious uh, topic here in the NBA. So uh, a couple days at this point, a couple days ago at this point I should say, um, Phoenix Suns owner Robert Sarver um, was suspended. Uh, he was banned from the lead for a whole year by Adam Silver, uh, NBA commissioner. He was also fined $10 million. Now, uh, there had been an ongoing uh, investigation, an ongoing case against Sarver, uh, workplace misconduct, things that he said uh, that he should love. Uh, Here's the line uh, from this uh, Associated Press article. The findings of the Leeds report published Tuesday came nearly a year after the NBA asked a law firm to investigate allegations that Sarver had a history of racist, misogynistic and hostile incidents over his nearly two decade tenure overseeing the Suns franchise. So, you know, obviously guys, this uh, brings up kind of memories of, of the Donald Sterling situation with the Clippers and just kind of the disgusting things that were found out that he said. And so, it, it kind of bends the question, right? These guys at the top of these organizations, do you think there should maybe be more measures uh, put in place to kind of figure out what their background is or you know what kind of history they have running uh, a workplace environment or something like that, like, like that? Because obviously no place for it in, in any league, and obviously the NBA holds itself to such a high standard. Again, with the Donald Sterling situation, as soon as, that video was released by TMZ. Almost immediately, he was he was out of there. I mean, banned for life by Adam Sterling. So obviously, they have a no-tolerance policy, and we'll get back to that in a minute. It's pretty interesting I say that because a reporter did ask the question, why is there a difference between a guy at the top who gets to teep his team after all this, although he is going to lose a lot of money and be banned for a year? Why is there a difference between that and an employee saying something like that and losing it? Their job, and Adam Silver had a pretty interesting response. He said he, he can't really measure a guy who has, you know, a team that he owns relative to a guy an employee. So, you know, kind of a bunch of things coming out of this situation. Uh, Adam Silver called into question a little bit over it, but I think he made the right decision. I mean, you can't really, you can't really get rid of a guy's team, but I, I think obviously there is a little bit of a comparison between him and Sterling and Sterling banned for life, Sarver only a year kind of raises the question why but uh Danny I'll start with you do you think there should be some sort of and I, I'm just kind of going off the top of my head uh, with these terms I'm using just kind of more of like an emphasis on Danny a background check on the guys who are working under Adam Silver and owning these teams right and obviously Adam Silver uh reports to the the team owners and they weren't just a collective so do you think there should be a little bit more emphasis placed on trying to figure out what the workplace environment is under all these guys and how these franchises run. Uh,
2: yeah, I definitely do. I don't think as, you know, as far as what they're doing right now, the guidelines they have in place, I don't think they're the worst because you there's only so much control you have over this type of thing. You meet a guy, you could spend a, quite literally a month and a half, two months just making sure he's the right guy for the job, which they obviously don't do. They just go for the highest bidder. But <laughs> you could literally do that and still have not even a clue of who this guy is, truly on the inside if they're that type of person. So it's such a slippery slope to kind of evaluate and always get right. But of course I do. I mean, when you have control of a team like this and, you know, not to make it a broader problem than it is, but it just goes back to how sensitive this entire sports organization or the entire like theme of sports is. You're quite literally paying people to play and be players for your team when you own it. Like you have a superiority over these players. Don't you think that you might want to be you know, racially sensitive and sensitive with all of your words and just overall be a good person. Like I, 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 would, I would think so. One, to get the players to trust you and to establish good morale for the organization, but two, just because you're handling that big of a thing in general, I mean, you should already have that before you sign up. Mm. So if you know you're just, you know, a guy with a lot of money who has not one clue about this, those type of guys should not be getting involved yeah. in this because it'll end up just how this went. I mean, I think NBA owners, need, NBA owners, pardon me, need to take a uh, lesson out of Steve Ballmer's book because he's just been terrific with the energy yeah. type of guy he is, and this is a guy that came from Microsoft, a huge business, looking to make as much profit as possible. So, you know, long story short, I do think they need to enact some other guidelines to really get to the bottom of this because now, as you mentioned, with it being the second time since Sterner, uh, it's just, or well, I should say, the first time since Sterner, the second time overall, something like this really has happened. It just kind of ridiculous and you really need to i think it really stems with that problem that i mentioned earlier there's not a process where they talk to these guys for a month or you know even a few weeks to see if they're truly fit to operate an organization in their league and i think there should be why should it just be the highest bidder in a you know occasional background checks so
1: yeah um i mean it's it they're they're good points made and again the, the thing with going for the highest bidder and not really Danny. a sense of, of where guys are coming from. Obviously, you look at their qualifications and what they've done in the past, but it, it, again, it's a good point, Danny. You don't really get a grasp unless you go out and find employees who have worked for them in the past. Mm-hmm. Now, that could be part of something like a background check that the NBA would would implement, but you know, d- it, teeing in on Robert Sarver here as I'm going to go to Kobe in the other room. Um, you know, he's been out he's been ousted by Suns fans for a while for being kind of cheap obviously you had the like DeAndre Ayton thing um and even before that there were talks of like you know Ayton maybe be let being let go um because they they're just they don't they didn't want to pay him um obviously they've got a championship you know core they, they haven't won a title now <laughs> I, I see the look you just gave me now Look, I mean, they're the best team in the Western Conference. They've got a core that could do it, talented enough, I guess, right? So, um, you know, it just kind of, I think, diminishes what uh, an owner-player relationship should be. And Danny brought up, um, you know, Steve Ballmer out in L.A. taking over for a guy like Donald Sterling, who obviously after he was, you know, kicked out of there, the players, I mean, they took all stands to to show that they were not with what any of what he was doing, obviously. And so... When you have an owner um, like Sarver doing almost the same thing, it's going to diminish that kind of, again, relationship. And when the Suns are in a position right now to where they're competing for a title, it could, you know, the ripple effect could be felt kind of organizationally wide here.
0: Yeah, as an owner, your job is just to pay for things and get out of the way. <laughs> Let the people that you're hiring do your work. And he's doing the complete opposite. He's always involved with not paying Aiden enough. And it, it hurts their chemistry, hurts them mm-hmm. as a team. You know, I think if he wasn't as involved, like, in the bad press as he is, there's a slight chance they could have been a better team right? because of it because you wouldn't have players worrying if they're going to get paid at the end of the year mm-hmm. and anything like that. And very something true. that I was you know, reading about this, I found it weird because Adam Silver, the first thing he had to deal with as a commissioner was the Donald Sterling thing. So yes. I find it very strange that it's a kind of a double standard this time around.
1: Yeah, I, I I brought it up, and I, I'm happy you did again, Kobe. It is it it it's a double standard. I mean, one and, guy and
0: plus ten million dollars is pocket change to him. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah.
1: Now, and then he said when he was asked by that reporter, he said, "Well, I I can't really measure up a, a billionaire getting fined ten million dollars and being banned from the lead to obviously a guy working for him." But he really did. Right. So, again, it, it's. It is kind of weird to look at what he did, and now maybe you think, oh, it's his first um, kind of duty as commissioner to take down this big case. Maybe he wants to make the statement, and that's why he banned Sterling for life. Obviously, I think the comments he made were deserving of that anyway, and I'm not 100% sure of what the exact comments were made by Sarver, but if they're anything close, Jack, um, it, it, the punishment should probably be the same.
3: Yeah, if it's if it's the same thing as what Donald – uh that donald had to say i yeah. mean you got to give him the same punishment i mean it's it's just the fair way to do it and i agree with kobe like i don't get why he's in all these decisions as an owner you got to let everyone do the work pretty much for you if you're an owner yeah I mean and he's that. getting involved like and honestly because of that that's pretty much what caused him to get uh a year banishment and this 10 million dollar fine mm-hmm. so uh but who knows what uh, will come next? I mean, honestly, I think some people be like, "Why didn't he get a harsher uh, punishment?" And he he might uh, extend it, maybe a uh, two plus years, maybe.
1: Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens, and um, I'm gonna move on here, I'm gonna go to a break, really quick, before we come back with our top five. But obviously, very interesting situation. You guys both agree that as an owner. I mean, if you want things to go smoothly, you should probably, like Kobe said, just kind of shut up and, and pay for stuff. I wish my basketball team's owner did that. Um, <laughs> although, uh, instead, he feels the need to be involved in a lot of basketball decisions, and it's led to some pretty bad basketball in the Mecca for the past 20-plus years. So go don't, don't want to <laughs> ramble too much. NBA season uh, about a little over a month away, so I'm sure we'll be getting into some nits talk at some point uh, here on Offsides. But we are going to go to break. Uh, when we come back, we'll have our top five, which is NFL-related once again. Not going to spoil it, but we'll have to stay, wait, and find out. Aaron Hot, Danny Ryan, Jack Miller, Kobe O'Brien with you here on Offsides. <laughs> the workday's done. It's time to hit the road. That's where Rowan Radio comes in and the ride at five. Tune in from 5 to 6 p.m. for the music that matters and the songs you want to listen to. Give us a call or send us a text, and if we've got it in store, we'll play it over the air. But if you just can't get enough of the 70s, 80s, 90s, and beyond, let us pick the music while you drive. That's The Ride at 5, Monday through Thursday from 5 to 6 p.m. only on the station with more music than anyone else. Roman Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. If you're worried your friend may be struggling,
2: remember, you don't have to be there to be there.
0: You could say how while you will get a fake tattoo. You could ask with an app if it works for you. You could chat on a game, kick off your flip flops. You could ask on your couch while you binge watch. Whatever,
1: whatever, whatever gets you talking.
0: Reach out to a friend about their mental health. Learn how you can help at SeizeTheAwkward.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, American Foundation for Suicide
2: Prevention, and the Jed Foundation.
1: Back here on this Wednesday edition of Offsides, I'm Aaron Hook, joined alongside Danny Ryan across the desk from me here, and in the conference studio, Mr. Jack Miller and Mr. Kobe O'Brien. And now, fellas, we have reached the end of the line. It's the top five here on this midday edition of Offsides, and like we talked about at the uh, beginning of the show, there is a football game tomorrow night, and so... Um, With Week 1 being over, and Week 2 starting up tomorrow night with the Chiefs and the Chargers uh, on Thursday Night Football, going to do a a little bit of, uh, you know, I I guess I can't call it Monday morning quarterbacking, but uh, go back a little bit uh, on uh, on the past week and We're going to rank our top five teams in the NFL heading into Week 2. Now, you know, obviously, um, your ranking is going to be influenced by what happened on Sunday, but... Uh, I think all of us kind of had our preconceived power ranking or something loose like that, just kind of where everyone stands. And so that could have uh, something to to play into it as well. And I'm going to start by going to the other side of the glass. Mr. Jack Miller, would you like to start us off with your top five NFL teams heading into week number two?
3: So number one, got the Bills. I think that Bills team is unstoppable. (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised if they got more than uh, 13 or more wins this year I mean they just absolutely dominated against the Rams number two Kansas City Chiefs after what Patrick Mahomes did he's he's showing up and he's saying that he's still here so put them in number two got my Chargers team at three they looked great against the Raiders even though it was a little close they won f- by five but they were able to manage with that Raiders offense and uh, so and they did well offensively as well and then I got the Ravens at four Ravens mm-hmm. I'm sorry, uh, Aaron. The Jets though looked great defensively. I mean, I mean the Ravens got what was it, 24 points or? Uh,
1: they scored 24. Yeah, I yeah. mean the, the run defense was was pretty good. to be Yeah. Fair, so and then
3: Sauce Gardner, I mean, yeah, played and, good against Mark Andrews. Him
1: and DJ Reed are are a pretty good duo. Yeah.
3: So defensively, I mean, I'm giving the the Jets credit, but Whatever. the Ravens look really good, um, as yeah, well. They do. And then I got the Philadelphia Eagles at five and one by three against the Lions. That Lions team, though, very gritty, and, I mean, they're going to be a tough team to stop. I mean, they just have heart at this point, and the Campbell, he's a phenomenal coach, and he's yep. going to keep this Lions team motivated and keep trying to win games, especially like that one against the Eagles.
1: Interesting. Eagles in at number five. Um, they said that uh, that was not the same Lions team that they played no. a year no. ago, and they are right. Uh, Detroit, um, very big. Uh, you know, kind of fun team to watch, up and coming for sure under Dan Campbell. Dave, the Eagles will run for their money for yeah. sure, but uh, I I would probably agree with the Eagles inside the uh, the top five. They
3: went from six points to thirty five in <laughs> a, in a season against yep. the Eagles, so I so mean that's pretty go. good. So
1: that's uh, the
3: that's Eagles' defense improved so. development
1: right there. So yep, Eagles at five for Jack Miller, Kobe, who's your top five?
0: All right, at five I have the Rams. Uh, despite the fact that they got walloped by the Bills, I think their talent is just still top fives like absolutely supreme mm-hmm. with everything they have there and number four i have the bucks uh they made dallas's offense who they have talent they made them look like a jv team <laughs> true they couldn't move a- at all whether it was the run game pass game they was just suff- suffocating them at three i have the chargers because i think they're a phenomenally well-rounded team
3: that's what i'm saying
0: i like their <laughs> offense and everett as their tight end he's i think he's really underrated. Yeah,
3: that was a great pickup for the tight end spot after losing Hunter Henry.
0: At two, I have the Chiefs because Mahomes is Mahomes and five touchdowns is incredible, especially against the Cardinals, who they were solid defensively last year. On the
1: road, too.
0: And
3: week
1: one. (laughs) I mean, he
0: he lit them up. He's not here. The the Bills, uh, they're by far the best team in the NFL. They made the Rams just incapable of doing anything defensively. Mm-hmm. They completely shut down Aaron Donald. Their their offensive line play shut him down completely. Just he only got I think one. He got sack,
3: one sack. That's one it. One
0: sack. And the way they found a way to double team him, triple team him, and it stopped him. And Ramsey got absolutely destroyed yeah by
3: Diggs there. That deep ball really uh, really killed him. Yep. He got him. They found a way not even just that touchdown that Diggs had, I'm just mm-hmm. saying the deep ball in general.
1: Dave Davis too, he he had a touchdown catch yep. to open the game So yep. all right, well after uh after both our boys across the glass have given us the top five, the Bills are coming in at number one on both lists. Danny Ryan, are you continuing the trend? I
2: I, unfortunately, am continuing the trend here on offsides for the top five. My number one being the Buffalo Bills. I think I can leave it at that. Enough said. They just looked outstanding against the Rams. And the Rams really, you know, I'll get into them a little bit later on the list, but... um not because they're on it, and I'll, I'll, I'll touch on them in a little bit. But number two, I have the Chiefs, just like Kobe and Jack. I mean, what Patrick Mahomes was able to do in his first game without Tyreek Hill offensively was just outstanding. And if that defense can hold up throughout the year, oh, they could be scary. And, you know, it was a pretty good opponent in the Cardinals, but at the same time, We know how the Cardinals can have those off games. Cliff Kingsbury looks either like the smartest man in the world or the dumbest man in the world, Uh, and that could happen within the same week from time to time. So number three, I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers dismantling the Cowboys in every way, shape, and form. I mean, not that this gives them points, but taking out their starting quarterback for at least four to six weeks. Uh, that just shows how hard they are playing, how talented they are, in my opinion. I just think that that's one of those veteran squads you can't count out, and they had one of the better weeks in Week 1. Number four, I have Jack's Los Angeles Chargers. They played a pretty good game uh, against the Las Vegas Raiders, a better one than the Raiders, obviously. Um, and their defense did show up, but the one thing that worries me, when you face a top receiver in the uh, like the Chargers did in Devontae Adams, they limited Darren Waller, but Adams had a day, even with a very bad day from Derek Carr, so that... Just worries me a little bit as far as the secondary goes, uh, but nothing too crazy as far as the Chargers worries go. And the number five, I have my Philadelphia Eagles, a little bit closer than I expected against the Lions. They had a late comeback there, so definitely a lot to clean up on the defensive side, but a win is a win. We need to see more Jalen Hurts passing next week. Loved what I saw on the ground from him, but I think this team, when they're fully clicking, they have a few weeks under their belt. Could be one of the top five teams in the league. And my honorable mention, as you know, Aaron, I include this all the time, I have to go with the Baltimore Ravens solely because of how explosive, for the first time, honestly, in the Lamar Jackson era, I can say they looked in the passing game. I mean, you don't have Marquise Brown there, and somehow this passing game opens up. It was pretty <laughs> impressive to me to see him take that leap.
1: Yep. Um, so, I mean, you talked about that passing attack. And the Jets, again, um, did a pretty good job against the run game. I think it was the lowest... Rushing yards the Ravens have had in the Lamar Jackson era. So, I mean, Jets did a solid job on the ground, I guess. I mean, you know, when we put up nine points, it's not really going to help, but it's a different topic for another day. um So, getting to my list here, I had a very similar list to uh, Danny, all you guys really, um, and I am going to continue the theme. So, a clean sweep here with the Bills at number one. Um, I mean, you guys have pretty much said everything that I'm going to say at this point. Josh Allen, great talent all around, just a stacked uh, team, offense, defense. Sean McDermott, great coach. I've got them at one. Uh, the Chiefs right behind him at two with Mahomes really kind of coming out in week one and and telling us all that he is he's not going anywhere. Not that we really thought he was, but you know, ever since that 50-plus touchdown year, he hasn't been able to quite repeat that success, but he came out in week one and and, I mean, him and Kelsey looked as good as ever against the Arizona defense. So, I've got them at two. At three, I've got uh, the Bucks. So, I mean, Tom Brady's still, for my money, a top four, five quarterback in, in the NFL. Um, and, like Kobe said, they were able to shut down that Dallas offense. That defense is loaded. The pass rush is stacked. Um, Brady's got all sorts of weapons around him. And uh, he's got a new one now in Julio Jones to work with as well, just you know, in case he needed a, a, another toy to play with. So, that's three for me with the Bucks. Chargers come in at four um, with Herbert at the helm. I really don't think you can count him out this year. I mean, obviously Keaton Allen not playing tomorrow night, but the duo with him and Mike Williams on the outside, Eckler is going to get more involved at some point. The, the stars they added defensively, I mean, it's one of the shiniest rosters, I'll say, in the NFL. A ton of big names out there. In LA for that Chargers team at number four, and at number five I was thinking about the Eagles, but I decided to go with the team they're gonna play this week, and that is the Minnesota Vikings. Wow. The Vikings, um, you know, to me, man, I, the the Kevin O'Connell system that uh, is coming over with the new coach is gonna make that offense just a well-oiled machine. And I know 20 points against uh, you know Green Bay, who is a good defense. I know twenty points isn't like okay, they killed him or anything, or they, you know, ran laps around him, but I mean Justin Jefferson was open pretty much every play, and they manufacture touches for him now. He was already like a top four or five wide receiver, and now they're just gonna get him looks well, right off the ball where he can do stuff in space. And then a bit year offensively is coming from Minnesota. Defensively they've got that pass rush duo. Zadarius Smith and Daniil Hunter are, are both ridiculous. So out Harrison Smith on the back end, so Then Minnesota is going to grab the top five for me and get into my number five spot. Again, although I was thinking about uh, pretty seriously putting the Eagles there as well. So that's all of our lists. We all agree that the Bills are the number one team in the NFL. NFL Week 2 starts tomorrow night. Chiefs and Chargers Thursday night football. That'll be a fun one. And this has been it for uh, the inaugural edition of uh, Offside Tier on Wednesday evenings. Every Wednesday, 5 to 6, this entire semester, you can catch me, Aaron Hook. As your host, I want to say thanks to my three co-hosts today, Danny Ryan, Jack Miller, Colby O'Brien. Uh, we'll be back on Friday with Mr. Ryan across the table from me hosting. So we will see you all then. Have a great rest of your evening. You've been listening to Offsides, a weekly roundtable discussion about the world of professional sports featuring the diverse perspectives of the Rowan Radio Sports Department. Tune in next Monday, Wednesday and Friday at 5.30 for another edition of Offsides, only on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM.